Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Business Leadership Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tenney. As an active CEO, my goal is to build and sustain world-class organizations that make a positive impact on the lives of employees and on the global community. I have a lot of questions regarding how we can continuously get better at this and achieve our goals. And through this podcast, we reach out to top thought leaders to get answers to those questions, and we give you the opportunity to listen to their answers too. This episode is part of a series that we're doing on how to improve employee engagement. My guest today is Lori Sudbrink. Lori is president and founder of Unlimited Coaching Solutions, which specializes in improving workplace performance and employee engagement, which is why I wanted to have her on the show. Um, Lori is also the author of Leading with Grit, which was nominated for Leadership Book of the Year with LNMB Magazine, and has also been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, American Management Association, and Training Magazine. With almost three decades of executive coaching, leadership training, speaking, and most importantly, real-life business experience, her approach is unique, and she knows that leadership is not about title, power, or position. I'm very excited to hear Lori's thoughts today because of her unique experiences, leading with passion and creating drive among employees, as opposed to just ruling with an iron fist. Lori, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Matt. I'm genuinely excited for this opportunity to talk with you about employee engagement. Yeah, I could tell in our pre pre warm up conversation, you're kind of just uh, you're just ready to go, almost like yeah. b- bouncing in the chair. So, and I'm excited <laughs> to get going too. In a moment, uh, Lori, you know, I'm going to ask you to share um, your thoughts on the seven most important things that we as leaders need to be doing to improve employee engagement in our organizations. And I got a chance to preview those, so I'm I'm interested in really going deep on some of these, um, and. Before we explore those, though, uh, there's a great story that you share about how you were working with an accounting firm and had this one really difficult partner. And you decided that instead of just focusing on that partner, it would be much better if you engaged the entire firm. And that's what ultimately resulted in a big improvement in employee engagement. Can you tell me more? Can you, can you share that story here um, with us to kick things off? Yeah, sure. So... Um... I had a managing partner of an accounting firm approach me, come to me and say, you know, we've got problems with employee morale. Um, Definitely people are disengaged. And it was what he saw as primarily one partner that was being, um, you know, just really rude, (laughs) obnoxious, Mm. not behaving properly. And um, he wanted me to coach him. He said he really thought he inside wanted to do well, but just was having a difficult time. He ruled with an iron fist. He certainly Mm. did. In fact, the employees would all say that they loved him outside of work. He was their favorite person outside of work, but inside work, they couldn't stand him. Mm. And they were constantly complaining. You know, it takes a team, right? It takes the whole tribe to kind of work together. And what was happening here was not only this partner was uh, behaving this way, but everyone was allowing him to behave this way. Mm. Uh, They were ignoring it. They were not holding him accountable in any way. They were just 
you know, reacting to the way he was acting. And they didn't have the courage. They didn't know how to approach it. There were a lot of uh, underlying thoughts and beliefs about how you should talk to a partner, if you should even bring any of this kind of stuff up. So they had way more issues than this one partner. And so what I helped them to see is that by getting the whole team involved, everyone is going to be moving forward with their own development, as well as being able to help this one partner, because half of the battle is the way we're you know, responding and reacting to someone else. And so we started off by helping them to understand their, their own styles, their own personality styles through the DISC assessment tool um, and helping them to see how that plays out in communication and how some people are so direct and blunt and others would withdraw and, that, and never be so forthright with the way they talk and how people were taking it personally. They were making assumptions. Mm. And so we went deep with some of these as a team so that they had the opportunity to talk about this stuff together in a safe environment. So we would, they get out of their comfort zone, but they felt safe talking about it because I was in the room with them. They, otherwise they didn't know how to bring this up to this individual. And so, although he did get individual coaching, um, he, and it helped him tremendously to, first of all, be more self-aware of what he is thinking and, and actually doing to other people and how that can come across to other people. Um, one of his underlying thoughts and beliefs was that he just thought to really work hard and to push people was the only way to get anything done. And so he, he would come in and just put a whole different, entirely different hat on at work. And he was, you know, really came across as, it's like I said earlier, rude and, and, and almost obnoxious. And as soon as he started to realize that, now it didn't change overnight, of course, but because the team was working on things at the same time, together they moved through this much more quickly than if only he was going to be working on himself. So they got so much more benefit out of this. And the, the change that happened was it was sustainable. It was something that they could continuously help each other stay on track with. Mm. So it sounds like, uh, you know, a, a huge part of this was helping the team members develop understanding, right? Understand yes. this person better um, because it's so much easier to accept somebody and not, uh, I guess, recoil in defensiveness if you really understand them. Um, and, and then that can kind of be the foundation for really thinking instead of like, well, how do we just fix somebody, so to speak? Like, yes. how do we, how do we help each other become the best that we can be? Right. Is, is that kind of what happened there? It's exactly what happened. And too often we're making assumptions about other people's intent. We're judging them based on what we think their intent is. Um, you know, while we're judging ourselves on, on our own actions and stuff. And, and in doing that, what happens is we tend to take it personally, and we don't know how to have that conversation with someone. We allow that to push our buttons, and then we become, um, you know, almost something that we don't want to be. We'll either withdraw or we'll get nasty ourselves. And um, to, so to be able to bring that out in the open and really just take, you know, take the lid off it and, and take a look at it together, not only does it help individually, but it strengthens the team. 
so that they really feel, wow, we, we, we were willing to get vulnerable with each other. We were willing to share these things with each other. And, and now we feel like we have each other's back more when it comes to things. And we know how to approach these things together. Um, because as you and I know, and, and the audience, you're going to constantly run into difficult people. You know? So we really? need the skills, right? You mean we can never get so, away from this? <laughs> uh, never, you know, it's like, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And if we think of it that way and just think, wow, we're building skills to help us even in our personal lives, you know, and to be able to not take that behavior so personally, not change who we are in response to someone else, stay true to ourselves and be able to engage in a real mature adult conversation. Yeah, I, I heard a um, very wise um, teacher of, I guess there, there's a lot of different ways to categorize this person, but um, he said that, you know, it's, we should always see our enemies or to be more soft, you know, people that, per, that cause difficulty for us as great gifts. Mm. Because like you, you were saying a moment ago, you know, it's, the skills that we develop, um, working with people that are really challenging for us are, those are really, really valuable. And if we can, if we can really handle those relationships, well, then everything else is, is kind of easy, right? Exactly. So. And, and I couldn't agree more that it, if we could have, if we have that kind of philosophy, if we think of these challenges as gifts to help us grow, um, you know, it's the tough child that you have that makes you a better parent, right? It's the tough employee that you have that makes you a better leader. Um, if you think of it in that way, then it inspires you to bring to the table your best and see that you're being challenged and that you're growing through this as well. Nice. I love it. Well, you know, I think that that feeds us in very well to the seven ideas that you want to share for what you think is most important if we want to really um, drive high levels of engagement in our organizations. And I know all your, well, most of your ideas, I think there's one that's kind of an, uh, doesn't quite fit in with the grit acronym, <laughs> but, um, six of the ideas fit in with this acronym grit. And you like to go through them. I see in reverse order and I can see why, because the first big idea is about the self-awareness that you're talking about. And I, I totally agree with you. If we don't if we don't understand, if we don't have a high level of self-awareness, um, if we don't really master our own inner world, it can be really, really hard to be, um, to be leading others successfully. Mm -hmm. So big idea. Number one is know thyself and accept who you are. Now that's pretty interesting. So can you yeah. tell me more about that? So not only do you need to know yourself with self-awareness, but also be comfortable in your own skin. Can you tell exactly. me more about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'll just start with a true story of myself and the first time that I really realized, you know, self-awareness. And it was, um, I, I was at the time living in upstate New York, working for a manufacturing company. And I remember walking in to the office with my arms loaded with stuff and I dropped it in a puddle and my umbrella had turned inside out. And I walked in and the receptionist, very overly optimistic, she's like, good morning, Lori, how are you this morning? And I'm just trying to get past her. And I'm like, oh, I'm having a bad day, Pat, you know? And, and she's like, wow, and it's only 7 a.m. And I'm just about ready to like you know, come across the counter at her. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I still to this day can't tell you exactly why, 
but I remember exactly how I felt and where I was in that moment when I had a self-awareness that I was doing this to myself. I was creating this. I was making this into what it was. And that moment of self-awareness was, was critical. But what came next was dangerous. It was judgment. It was not accepting myself. It was judging myself. How could I, why would I think this way, you know, and all of those kind of things. So as we, as leaders and as individuals start down a path of, of real good self-awareness, it's so important to accept where we are and appreciate that this is part of our journey because we couldn't be where we are without, you know, going through what we went through. And so that self-awareness and and self-acceptance is critical. And some of the, some of the uh, different tools that we use in the leadership landscape for this in the workplace, one is to help people with emotional intelligence, for example. So to help them to understand how to pay attention to their own thoughts and emotions, their feelings, you know, what's going on inside and to be able to, to manage through that a bit, you know, and be able to look at themselves more objectively and own some of that and accept some of that and not try to stuff it down or, or get rid of it or ignore it. Um, DISC is another tool that I mentioned earlier that we use quite frequently to help people to be self-aware of their natural tendencies. So DISC stands for dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. And although we don't just have one of those, we're a complete mixture of D, I, S, and C, we do have tendencies, strong tendencies toward one or two of those. And to start to understand that helps us to be able to know ourselves better, accept that that's our natural tendency, and also be able to look very objectively at where I might need to focus more energy and effort to be successful in relationships and, you know, with the people that I lead or with even family members. So it, for example, um, us DIs uh, are people that really like to just drive through things quickly, just, you know, just make things happen and go at, go at a pace that's very fast. Sometimes we need to take more time, energy, effort in slowing down, being in the moment, really listening to someone. Mm. Another energy effort area for someone in the DI area, which is kind of type A, um, would be to to take the time to self-reflect, to take the time to to enjoy the follow-through instead of instead of you know really just um, not looking forward to that at all. And so much of it is about our mindset. So with that first truth area of grit and that self-awareness and acceptance, it's being, you know, being solid with ourselves that helps us to be more confident, genuinely confident. And that confidence is what inspires other people. So when we can be okay in our own skin, when we can be real, when we can be vulnerable with people, um, and that's a little bit of integrity, but the truth part is knowing and accepting ourselves so that we understand who we are, so that, so that we're, we're okay with that. Mm. And that does, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the next uh, idea you wanted to share is integrity. And it seems like that flows very naturally from this self-awareness and self-acceptance. So um, big idea number two, be true to yourself. Focus your thoughts, beliefs, and actions according to your truth. So can you tell me what, um, 
what do you mean by that? Why it is important and how do we do it? Yeah. So, you know, we, we've probably all either done it ourselves or experienced it with someone else when we don't walk our talk, we say something, but we don't do something. Um, I'll use just a simple example of, you know, I say that health and wellness is really important to me yet. <laughs> I go home and sit on the couch and eat Snickers bars. You know, I'm not in integrity. I'm not, uh, you know, aligning my actions with what I say is important to me, which is part of my truth. Um, and so the integrity part is what action are you taking? But before we can really start to look at our actions, it's our thoughts and beliefs that drive our actions, right? It's what's underlying. And so to be aware of what our thoughts and beliefs are that are driving our actions is really critical because too often, even as managers and leaders, we try to focus on changing people's behaviors instead of helping them to shift their thoughts and beliefs. And so for ourselves, for a moment, if we think about, we want to be in integrity with ourselves, we've got to, to dig and be aware of what our thoughts and beliefs are that are driving that. So for example, if I'm constantly thinking that I don't have enough time as a leader, um, that I'm rushed, that there's not enough time, then how is that going to play out in my actions? I'm not going to be focused and listening. I'm not going to be present in the moment. I'm going to feel like there's scarcity instead of abundance. And so that integrity piece is making sure that we really align our thoughts, beliefs, and actions to what we say is important. You know, what we say is our priority. Um, so, you know, another example would be uh, the busy manager who has to either doesn't make the meetings that they schedule one-on-one -on -one with their direct reports, or they constantly are changing that meeting. You know, the message that that's sending is you're not important enough. You're not a priority, you know, and we think about our actions, even our language. What are we, what message are we sending to someone else um, and so we've, we've got to be congruent with that. You know, if we really say we believe in our people, we value our people, then we've got to walk that talk and we've got to genuinely value our people and not just make it something that's like, oh, I need to get the uh, employee engagement score up on our survey and check that box. That doesn't come across authentically to people. But when you really feel it, and the only way we're going to really feel it is if we start with being true to ourselves, because that's where we're going to become very authentic and more transparent. We're willing to be vulnerable with other people. We're willing to share things with other people. And being in integrity is not, it's not about that unattainable definition like of, of perfection. Um, quite frankly, I think we're perfect just the way we are <laughs> as human beings. But, uh, you know, it's so often we think, oh, we have to be this, you know, this unattainable definition. And it's more about being, doing your best, you know, really putting an effort forth to align. Of course, we're going to mess up at times, you know, we're human um, and being able to forgive ourselves for that, which kind of flows into respect. But We'll stay on integrity <laughs> for a moment. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it sounds like, you know, maybe from a practical standpoint, um, you know, what's the balance, would you say, between 
really kind of accepting oneself, understanding that we're going to have gaps between what we say is important to us and what our actions demonstrate are important to us, right? Um, what, what, what do you suggest as kind of a practical exercise for every day, kind of reflecting on how we're doing and, and trying to close yeah. the gap? Yeah, well, you really nailed it with the word reflecting. Self-reflection is critical, especially for the role of a leader. So one of my favorite practices is to, at the end of the day, do some self-reflection. And if I don't have a lot of time, sometimes it's a quick like minute or two to say what went right, what went wrong, what do I need to do differently? Um, and that's just the beginning of it to be able to, for yourself, see that. Obviously we can't see all our blind spots. We don't know the way we're coming across to other people. So the more that we are connecting with others, the more that we are um, willing to share with them, even doing a formal 360 leadership evaluation is a wonderful way. It's a gift, you know, to be able to look at how do other people perceive me because I'm not even aware sometimes of how I come across to other people. Um, but back to, you know, a very practical everyday thing, it's self-reflection and taking, putting that on your calendar, self-reflection mm. on your calendar, you know, scheduling it, making it a priority. Because that's it for most of us, if it's not scheduled, it's not going to happen, right? It's, right. Um, and, and, and sticking to that. And the only way we're going to stick to that is if we really believe in it. If we believe it's going to work, if we believe that that's going to help us and other people, then we will make that a priority. Otherwise, we're going to have, you know, a difficult time making that a priority. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you had kind of alluded to uh, big idea number three already, which is um, big idea number three, respect yourself first. So can you tell me, tell me more about why that's important and then maybe how do we do it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll start by telling you, I come from a very big family, middle child of 14. So that gives you a little idea Goodness. of wow. where I'm about to go. And I remember my stepmother, um, you know, one of the messages was to, that, to be, that, to take care of yourself and do some of the things for yourself, you were being selfish. Now she didn't mean that, you know, to hurt us, but that was a message that came across to us. And I remember growing up with that. And it's always about giving to everybody else, giving to every, and it, there was not a message about taking care of yourself first. And you think about the flight attendant analogy, you know, you're on the, the airplane and the flight attendant tells you to put the oxygen mask on yourself before helping the person sitting next to you. And there's a right. reason for that, because if you don't put it on yourself, you're never going to be able to take care of that person sitting next to you. Right. Right. And, um, I remember this actually happening to me when I was flying with my daughter who was two, two years old at the time. And I remember having this physical reaction, just going, wow. I wouldn't have done that. I would have put it on her first, but it was, it, it's such an important analogy because what we learn from that is we have to take care of ourselves. It doesn't mean at the expense of other people, but it means we have to respect ourselves first. So if you take the time to understand yourself and accept yourself, and you align your thoughts, behaviors, your thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors to yourself, that in essence is showing self-respect. You're showing that you, you're giving to yourself what's important. Um, that self-respect is 
is critical because we can't expect other people to respect us if we don't respect ourselves, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that it, it's got to come first. Um, otherwise people feel it. It's almost at an energy level. So respecting ourselves is it's taking care of ourselves, you know, and making sure that we're aligned with what we know is important for us. If you need to get a certain amount of sleep, if you need to exercise, if you need to, you know, taking care of yourself as a human being first so that you can show up to your position of leadership, the best, the best that you can be. Because Mm -hmm. if we're neglecting that, if we're not respecting ourselves and neglecting that, and then we show up and we're tired and we're this and we're that, you know, of course stuff happens. Um, But if we make that a pattern, then we're making that stuff happen. Right. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so taking ownership of it is really a part of self-respecting too, you know, just taking ownership of our, of our experience with ourselves. Mm. And, and then that self-respect bleeds naturally into bleeds over naturally into respecting others, which is big idea. Number four, respect others and do it with emotional intelligence, <laughs> right? Yes. So, <laughs> can you yeah, tell me more about that, fact, please, Laurie? Yeah. Um, I think it was Mother Teresa that said something like, um, never be so busy that you can't, you know, really take time for other people and, and be in the moment for them um, and thinking about them. And yeah, it's um, to respect other people, we've got to understand other people. And DISC is a great tool to do that. When we go through a DISC exercise, people understand, oh, I thought everybody was just like me, you know, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, they have different priorities, different motivators, different stressors and things like that. So when we start to understand that, we can start to respect the differences in people and appreciate those differences and, and not be judgmental of them, but just be more like, oh, well, no wonder, you know, no wonder she doesn't like to follow through on this or no wonder she, you know, seems like she's not listening to me. We don't take the behavior as personally. Um, we can start to respect that other people, you know, may have a different intent inside. Uh, we can't assume that we know someone else's intentions, right? We have right. to be very aware that we don't know that for sure. So if we can respect other people in that way, then it's going to help us to be better with emotional intelligence with them. So when we see someone struggling when we see that maybe A, they're not aware of their own emotions and B, maybe they're not managing through those emotions. Instead of being gasoline on that fire, we're, we can become water. We can help, we can help calm that. We, instead of adding to it, we can help them manage through their emotions. We can help them shift their thoughts and beliefs. And how we do that is through things like First of all, being vulnerable and sharing when you messed up in a, mm. in a similar way and showing them that, yeah, you know, I learned this too. This is what happened to me. Um, sharing, you know, any kind of stories. People love and learn so much through story. And when that story is real and authentic and it's something that you experienced, whether it's about you or someone you know, that goes a long way. And, and people, people can really, you know, they can learn from that. And so um, even humor sometimes, you know, just lightening it up a little bit can help them learn. Uh, But if we, if we can respect 
that we don't know what someone else is thinking or feeling or going through. We don't know, for example, maybe your organization is going through a lot of change. Everybody has a change threshold. How much is how much change is that person going through on the outside, you know, of the, the workplace, in their personal lives, in their, you know, other areas? We don't know that. And so true respect for someone else is really backing up and understanding that we've got to be careful of the assumptions that we naturally make about people and be more willing to be in the moment, to ask questions, to truly listen and to get to know our people so that we can interact with them effectively. So I'm, I'm hearing you saying there's, there's kind of two components to this, right? So part, the first part is really understanding the other person because out of that understanding can come some sense of compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where we're not just kind of knee-jerk reacting to a situation. And then on, in addition to the understanding, we also need to work on ourselves to be able to have the capacity to manage our own emotions, because if we can't do that, then we're, we're not going to really have much success helping somebody else. Is that, is that uh, kind of on the right track? You know, that's, that's really emotional intelligence in a nutshell. If you think of a, a, like a grid with four boxes and you think of your, the first part of it is you as an individual, you're paying attention to your own emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, um, your, your behavior and stuff, your awareness of that. And then the second component for you is you're managing that appropriately. Um, and then in the bottom part of the box, you would think of the, the employee or the other person, um, and you, you'd be aware of their emotions, you know, what, what are they going through? How are they, you know, are they aware at all? And you're paying attention to them. And then the last quadrant would be, you're helping them manage through that. You're helping them to, to, to deal with their emotions productively in the workplace. Mm. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm really excited to hear I mean, I'm excited to hear all of these um, ideas, of course, uh, but this one, I'm a, I'm a fairly big fan of servant leadership. So um, this is the G in the, one of the G's in the GRIT acronym. There's two G's, two R's, an I and a T, right? So yes. um, this is the first of the generosities and it's big idea number five, servant leadership or have a servant leadership mentality. So can you tell me for, for people, I I know some people kind of hear this word servant and they're not a huge fan of that term. Mm -hmm. So could you maybe just describe what you mean first by servant leadership mentality, and then maybe tell us a little bit about why you think it's so important and, and then what, what we can do to be better. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's about clearing roadblocks for people. It's about being able to help them be successful so that you're successful and the entire company's successful. Mm. So it's thinking ahead about what they need so that the entire operation runs smoothly. So servant leadership is no more than just considering what needs to happen as a whole 
rather than just thinking about, you know, at the top, what needs to happen, um, which is easy to get bogged down with because we're responsible for so many things, for shareholder value, for, you know, making sure the bottom line is, is looking good, you know, making sure we've got a profit margin, all of these things that we're, we're really um, enticed and measured on. Um, we're not always measured on making sure that we're clearing roadblocks and making you know people other people successful. Although, in my opinion and my experience over the years, that's really where we're going to get our biggest bang for our buck when we mm. when we're serving other people, so to speak. And the, and you, you you think of it as the the typical triangle in an organization. Can I make a triangle with my hands here? Yeah. And at the top, um, you know. It, kind of the structure is the CEO, the C-suite, the middle management and employees. And if you just invert that triangle and think about holding them up, helping them succeed um, and doing what it takes, you know, to, to make the right policies, procedures, to put things in place. Because when we do that, people want to follow us and there's less effort and it's more efficient and it, it just makes sense all the way around. So that servant leadership, it's, you know, it is about, it's, it's like love versus fear too, that, that whole generosity around that. It's, um, we get in this and I know that, uh, you said it in, in um, I think it was in your Ted talk when it's, you know, making love a priority and it's, mm. it, it's about being able to to really give, you know, it's about being able to give people what they need to be successful in a way that's genuine. So you're, you can, you've gotten to know them through respect, you know, and now you know that, yeah, this is what this person needs. This person needs to hear a little more patting on the back and stuff, but then they, they definitely do need to have the gift of feedback. I still have to be direct with them and tell them, where they need to course correct and change. But if I think of it as an emotional bank account, some people need more of the positive feedback to build their confidence, to build them up, to make that account strong. So that when I have to come to them and say, you know, George, we talked about getting this report done on time. When you don't get it done, it affects the rest of the team like this. What are we going to do to get this on time? You know, when, when I have to have that conversation he knows I care about him. He knows that it's not to, I'm frustrated and I'm just yelling. Right. It's, it's really to give him the opportunity to make a change um, and become better. So when we, when we act out of love and not fear, we're more generous. We feel abundance. We feel like we have more to give of ourselves, of our time, rather than that feeling of scarcity. Like there's not enough time. And, and, you know, I, I, am at my wits end and, and I'm, I'm reacting instead of really proactively thinking through things. Um, I think things boil down quite frankly, to those two areas. You know, when you look at your behavior and your actions, it's our underlying thoughts and beliefs, whether there's abundance, love, generosity, or there's fear, scarcity, um, and even our ego can come in and, and kind of overprotect us at times. And that's fear. That's fear coming out. Um, so, you know, going back and just thinking about ourselves for a moment and thinking about our confidence is so important. But if we're overly confident, that's our fear creeping in because we feel like we have to 
be more than for some reason to, you know, protect our reputation or to, you know, protect ourselves in some way. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, generosity through, um, being able to really give again, not, not just checking the box off, having those one-on-one meetings, really good quality, being present in the moment, um, feeling like you really want to help that person, that kind of investment is going to give you so much return that, um, you know, even if that's what has to motivate us first (laughs) before we can get to the point where it's just, it's the right thing to do. And because in my opinion, if we, it is the right thing to do. And if we give this way, we'll get rewards back, but we're not doing it for the rewards, you know? And at first, sometimes we have to motivate ourselves by those rewards to understand this and that's okay. Um, So yeah, people are going to do more for you if you give more to them, you know, if you give them their, your time and, and, and you really listen and you give them good feedback. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like you, you by whichever way you get to it, it's okay. You know, it's your journey. Um, I trust that if people get to it by thinking they're going to get more out of their people first, then they start to really, um, see it and respect it and do it more naturally anyway. So Mm. to me, it doesn't matter which way you come in um, as long as you're doing the best you can in the moment. And none of us can judge that, right? We have to, we, we have to allow people their journey as well. And I think that's so important with generosity is, is when we're giving to others, we have to not, attach too much to what they do with that because that's their choice and their journey. Right. So it's, it's that, you know, being able to, um, separate that, so to speak. And that can be tough sometimes in leadership because we feel responsible for all of it. But, you know, sometimes it looks like, um, well, you know, if this is something that you don't choose to do and don't choose to change, then maybe you want to choose a different position or choose a different employer. And you let that person realize that it is their choice. We're not making them do anything, but you know, they have a choice in this and, and right. their behavior you know, is a choice. So. That sounds like there's something I, I enjoyed there. Uh, one of the many things there in that, uh, on that big idea about servant leadership was, you know, it, you could come at it from maybe, maybe you're the person who naturally wants to serve others, but you're, you find, you find it difficult. And you know, by going through the first few steps that you're talking about here, it becomes easier to do that. Um, or you could be somebody who just, Hey, I just want, I just want more productivity out of employees. And I know this is helpful. And what I heard you say was, you know, when you start, it doesn't really matter where you're at, right? Because if you start practicing the behaviors, they eventually become more authentic. And, but I did want to clarify one thing, um, because I I would think that where you're going to get the most um, bang for your buck, so to speak, is when you can eventually get to the point where you're giving without any expectation of anything in return. And I think you were kind of alluding that alluding to that with that last idea right which is yeah. you're giving you're giving people what they need but what they do with that is not really it's not really in our control yeah and so really that's kind of the final step right is to to be able to give without expecting anything back 
And ironically, I would guess that that's probably when people start really, really reciprocating, right? When they yes. feel that, wow, this person, they're giving without any expectation. Now I really want to go the extra mile. I mean, what, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you nailed it. <laughs> that was, that was perfect. Um, and that, that is what it's about. It's that pay it forward kind of mentality, right? If you mm. haven't seen the movie, pay it forward. It's giving without receiving or giving without expecting to receive anything back. And mm -hmm. when we can let go of that expectation, um, it really, the energy shifts and people mm. are more willing to lean into it and put themselves into it. They trust you more. It's more authentic. Um, and over time, it really builds the relationship. So absolutely the, you know, the, um, the more that we give without expecting and we, and we do it genu uh, genuinely, the, the less effort, you know, and, mm. and we're, and we're not consuming ourselves with all the mental capacity, you know, mental time of thinking, Oh, how am I going to, how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to get this to work? It flows, you know, and, and that is the second part too of generosity is it's give and receive, you know, so that we mm. can have the flow so that, yeah. So yeah. And that I believe yeah. <laughs> is big idea. Number six, so give and receive and keep the flow going. Can you yes. tell me more about that, Lori? Yeah. You know, when we, some people are really good at giving, but not so good at receiving. Mm. Um, and it can be anything from, you know, positive feedback, compliments, um, constructive feedback, um, help. You know, they, it's, it, it, it's something that, um, quite frankly, we need to go back in the model and take a look at, are we respecting ourselves? Are we in integrity? Do we have our truth really, you know, our priorities outlined? Because if we do, then we will be able to receive more and receive help. So what, what's cool about the GRIT acronym is it is a framework. It's kind of a model um, for us to lead a successful life, lead a team, lead ourselves. Um, and what we can see is at any point, if we're not respecting ourselves, if we're not generous, if we're not being able to receive, then we can go back to the one before, you know, and look at respect and say, what am I doing to not respect myself? Why, you know, and, and ask yourself and do that reflection. Why am I not in integrity? If I say this, why am I not doing it? Do I need to work on my, you know, my habits or do I need to work on my thoughts and beliefs around this? Or mm. do I really believe in this? And that's the mm -hmm. truth part. And so it helps us to dig into why this is happening, what's going on with that. So, you know, to not be able to receive stops the flow for people. So I can't give if you won't receive <laughs> and mm. that can really cause issues and problems. I mean, you think about the, the leader, the manager who can't take constructive feedback herself. Um, how is that going to, you know, show up? How is that going to come across to other people in the organization? You know, not good. Right. It's right. It's right. The, and it's going to stop that flow. And so as a leader, we need to really walk the talk. We need to model this behavior. Um, and if we're not feeling it authentically, 
we need to work on ourselves so that we do. And the grit acronym is all about that. So, you know, grit is about being able to persevere and push through things without the collateral damage to ourselves and to others. So generosity, respect, integrity, and truth help us to be able to, you know, realize giving and receiving very authentically and genuinely. Mm. And I would imagine this last big idea is a, is a, although not in the grit acronym is a key component of that last idea that you just shared, being able to really persevere through challenging situations without the overwhelm. Right. And, and that's what grit is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine celebration is, a, is a part of that, right? So big idea number seven is celebrate, take time to appreciate, feel gratitude and enjoy the present moment. Can you tell me more about that, Lori? What, why do you think this is so important for kind of being, being a leader who's, um, who's able to drive, uh, engagement in others? Yeah, you know, it's so important because we need to recharge our batteries. We need to relax enough to enjoy the moment and enjoy the journey and let other people feel that as well. Because otherwise, what's the sense? What's the purpose? You know, most of us don't want to just go through life driving and driving and driving and, and, and not stopping to smell the roses, you know, enjoy the journey, so to speak. And the more that we do that, the more that we feel the recognition and appreciation for what we did, that builds trust. And it helps us to continue to want to follow that person, to want to do more for that person. Um, And so the, the habit of, you know, having fun, relaxing, enjoying things can also help us to not only bond as a team, but there's a lot of research to back up that it helps us be more innovative and creative. And Mm. so there's so many benefits to it. And like any of these or any of the ideas that we talked about, um, of course we have to manage them. We can't be, you know, playing and and fun all the time. We've got to have some work. Um, But what I find happens more often is that people do not take the time to really feel the gratitude for what they did, for what someone else did, to recognize that person or that team for doing that, and to actually have some kind of a a celebration where people are enjoying themselves as a result of that. Mm. I love it. Well, Lori, thank you so much again for um, taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. And I've, uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation and gotten a lot out of it as well, as I imagine the audience has this focus on um, really self-leadership and how that's really the, the cornerstone of being able to effectively lead others and inspire engagement in others. So thank, thank you again for taking the time to chat with me. Oh, you're so welcome, Matt. And, you know, it's just keeping that grit acronym in mind, generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, and starting inside because that's when we'll show up authentically and be able to give generously. Mm. Well, my friend, if you'd like to learn more about Lori and her work, um, you can find her pretty easily. You can just Googling Lori Sudbrink. You can also visit her at her website, which is lauriesudbrink.com. And we'll have a link to her website as well as to her LinkedIn profile on our website at businessleadershiptoday.com, as well as the show notes. So we'll have the, the seven ideas that she shared with some notes on those as an overview. 
And um, you'll also be able to find her book, Grit, uh, a link to that on our website as well as hers. And for those of you who are kind of interested in, in going deeper, um, Laura was very generous and has offered to give away several copies of her, the audio version of her book, Grit. And so the first three people that connect with her on LinkedIn and just send her a message saying, hey, I heard you on Business Leadership Today, and I would love to have a copy of your book. She will send you um, a code for you to be able to get the audio book for free. Yes, make sure you make sure they uh, mention that they heard the podcast business leadership today so that I can recognize uh, okay. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just mentioned in your message, you heard Lori on business leadership. You could say, hey, Lori, I heard you on business leadership today. Um, uh, and I was really interested. I'd love to get a copy of your book. She'll, she'll give you one. Um, yeah. And so the, uh, before we sign off, I, I would like to send a thank you uh, to Caleb West, who produces and manages this podcast and edits it and um, I think oftentimes, if not always, makes me sound a lot smarter than I actually am. So thank you, Caleb. And for my friend listening here, um, until the next time we have a chance to hopefully help you in some way, wish you great success um, building a world-class organization that is making a positive impact in the lives of your team members and in our world. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.